You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Good to see you this morning. You know what? I reckon that like you guys over here need to like gather in somehow. I feel like you're you know stuck out there on the side. And Gail, look, you've got nobody near you. Go and sit near Sherry. You can hold hands or something. <laughs> you can snuggle. Sorry. Thanks, Hill. How's your week been? All right. Mine's been average. <laughs> if I'm honest, it's been average. It's been average. We've, you know, had a cold go through the house and I was feeling so tough and so resilient because I didn't get anything in winter when everybody else was sick and I was like, I am so hearty and sturdy. Nothing can get me. And it did this week, so I've been a bit under the weather. But um, this morning... I may drink a lot of extra water. We'll see how we go. I feel a bit, you know, dehydrated, but I think I'll get through a run. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, we're in this um, great season of Christmas, and I love, I love Christmas. I get quite excited for Christmas, you know. It's, um, I used to like Christmas as a kid, you know. There was always, you know, heaps of presents and... Santa who brought lots of presents and there was just lots going on and lots of family time and lots of good food. I had some memories this week. Um, we had a celebration um, and Thanksgiving service this week for um, just for the, the people that have been working and involved sort of fairly heavily downstairs at the Victory Centre. But um, Pastor Karen had organised, it's all right, I laughed too with her about this. I can say this. I think she'll be okay with it. But um, I had such a flashback to my my childhood because she created these, we'll call them hors d'oeuvres, um, hors d'oeuvres with like, you know, the orange and you have the cheese and the pickled onions, the red and green pickled onions on toothpicks that she put like all around. And I was like, wow, this is like the 70s. This is awesome. And I was thinking we need some tinned oysters to go with these on Jats crackers. Yeah. That was my Christmas childhood. Mind you, I could never actually swallow them. So it was only for a dare between my brother and I, really, if we were going to eat those. But so last week, um, Darren and Nate um, talked you know, they started us off really well in this series, um, you know, talking about how Jesus, he's, he's a gift. You know, a son is given. Um, he really, he's changed the landscape for humanity. And it's an incredible thing when you just stop and take some time to do that. And often we don't until we get to Christmas. So um, today we're going to unpack, we're going to go a little bit further into this scripture and we're going to unpack two of the names. Um, so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah, um, we're going to unpack two of the names that are spoken over Jesus, are given to Jesus 800 years before he even was born, which I just go, that is unbelievable. Is that not unbelievable that, if you think about that, so what, in 1300, 
for us, that would be, is that right, maths? Josh? Somewhere in the 1300s. 800 years ago, whatever that is. Um, 1200s, right, there you go. I never won any math awards. Um, so way back then, like if God was speaking over us. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I just find it amazing that through this prophet 800 years earlier, God speaks these words, these names of Jesus, this character of Jesus so far ahead of when he even came. At a time in life where um, it was very bleak, very dark for the Israelites, um, he gets this, just this, gives them this little glimmer of hope, this little glimmer of light in amongst all this darkness that there's a Messiah to come. And generations before he was ever seen on earth. You know, he was seen before he was born just as we were. Psalm 139 says, You saw me before I was born. The days allotted to me had all been recorded in your book before any of them ever began. God spoke over Jesus' value and purpose, intention and character way before he was ever actually here. Have you ever thought about that in the context of you? He knew you, every intricate detail before you were born, every inch of you before you were born. He speaks over you. He named you. What names does he give you? What names do you give yourself or take on for yourself? Maybe he didn't speak over you. My name, Rebecca. Why are you laughing, Darren? My name was chosen for me by my brother. So he was four. And I, I guess it was a good idea. Except growing up, he used to love to taunt me with the fact that Rebecca means bovine. <laughs> Do you know what bovine, what a bovine is? It's a cow. It's a cow. My name, growing up, means cow. And he, he loved to taunt me with that and stir me with that. And the other meaning for Rebecca, and you're all going to be like, oh, no, don't go there, is fat. <laughs> I had no issues growing up whatsoever, right? But what I've discovered, I know, it's terrible. I know. What I've discovered recently, and this is the one that I'm going to hang on to, right? I, I'm leaving those ones behind because they're terrible. Is that it means servant of God. Yeah. It just took us a while to get there and find that out. But you know what? That, that part, that's what God says about me. That's what I walk in. So who does he say you are? Why don't we pray this morning before we really get much further in? God, I thank you that your word goes out and it doesn't 
return without accomplishing what you wanted it to. And we praise you this morning. We honour you this morning. And just pray that as I speak, that the, the words that you've given me this morning, the ones that you want me to keep from my notes, that I will keep from my notes. And the ones you want to drop in, that I will capture that, Lord God. And I just believe this morning that you are going to just... Just switch some mindsets this morning. You're going to sort of just adjust us in a few places of thinking, Lord God, and um, it's just going to open up. It's just going to be a, a bright light that just shines into some areas, Lord, where we haven't thought of before. Amen. You know, this passage, a prophecy of to who Jesus, Jesus would be, it's some versions um, keep it together. So probably the one that you're reading keeps it together as wonderful counsellor, as in no punctuation in it. But originally in the Hebrew, it actually was two different things, two separate things. And it does flow well if you keep it together when you go wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. But it's actually the name wonderful, the name counsellor. Yeah. The same word for wonderful that this gift Jesus was to be refers, it's used elsewhere and it refers to the wonders of God's person or to his work. And this, this word wonderful is who Jesus would be, his character, his makeup, his personality, his nature. But it's not used in the same sense as we often use it today. So... When the kids come out of kids' church, some of the young ones, and they show you an artwork, and your response is, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and from that, you don't say, what is it? You say, tell me about it, right? There's a life tip for you, for those of you who have young children. Tell me about what you've created is way safer way safer it's not used in the way that sometimes when something doesn't go as planned we go oh well that's <clears throat> wonderful wonderful it's not used like that and sometimes I hear it oh that's quite wonderful and it's not sarcastic it might be about a dessert or a fantastic grazing platter that is quite wonderful. And you actually mean that it's quite wonderful, but even that doesn't come anywhere close to what God was describing about Jesus. It was describing him in a way that is he would be extraordinary, a, a marvel, not like Thor or Iron Man, not that kind of marvel, but so remarkable, so miraculous, so incredible. It's, it's hard to even for us to get our heads around it, to understand it. A wonder. Has anybody seen the movie Wonder? It's, um, it's a Julia Roberts and who's Owen Wilson. Um, and it's this, it is really worth a watch. Uh, we watched it with the kids and... Um, it's a movie about this couple and they've got this son who's about to go into year five into mainstream school. He's been homeschooled until this point because he's got all these facial difficulties, like differences, not difficulties. He has lots of difficulties. 
But he's quite disfigured and it draws a lot of attention. Rarely is it helpful attention. Um, and just the struggle um, and the challenge that he went through in that first year um, of being in the school and how the family handled it, how the larger community and his, you know, new friends handled it. Um, and it's an incredible story. It's it is kind of, you're like, wow, he is a wonder. Like, that is amazing. At the end of this movie, like at our place, there was, you know, a lot of, you know, oh, there's a bit of dust in my eye, kind of, you know, barely a dry eye in the house. And um, one movie reviewer said, it's brilliant what the arts can achieve in the wake of this hopelessness we feel about the world. Like, it's this really touching, heart, like, thought-provoking, heart-wrenching kind of heartfelt movie and even a story that touches us so deeply and causes us to watch it in wonder and be like wow that was amazing it can't compare even a fraction to the wonder of Jesus I was thinking about what other things are wonderful in that real wonder sense of the word and the only thing I could come up with was childbirth that's pretty extraordinary for how many of you have given birth or been in when somebody else has given birth yeah see it's a shocker (laughs) it's wonderful is it for those of you not pushing out a baby (laughs) the um what the human body can do is really unbelievable isn't it it is it's mind-boggling to be able able to reproduce another human being remember when I was pregnant with the twins with Ethan I kind of went oh yeah that's amazing but when I had the twins I was like there's not just one but there is two inside me and you can feel them pushing around against each other and it's just weird all right I know some people say that is the most beautiful thing It's weird. (laughs) My brother hadn't had any children at the time and I remember him coming into the hospital and holding these boys and he's not, wasn't, you know, into babies. He used to say that coming to our place was a great form of contraception. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) harsh, I know. What's great is that he now has four of his own and he's older than I am and they're all younger than mine. (laughs) But he held these boys and he looked at these babies and he looked at me and he's never been, um, I guess, highly encouraging of me. Like, I had to have a thick skin growing up. I was tough. um, And that was how he loved me. And um, But he just looked at me and he said... I think you are amazing. And I'd never seen him respond this way really about anything. And he sort of shook his head and he'd look at the kids and he'd look at me and I was like, you know what, you can tell me that I'm amazing when I have raised, you know, contributing adults, you know, members of society who are good and kind and useful. (laughs) But it is incredible and quite wonderful having bearing children I guess that was the closest thing that I could come to but it still doesn't compare in the slightest 
to what God's talking about of this Jesus to come, this Messiah to come. Even something like that that we all go, you know what, you're right, it's gross and weird, but it is amazing. It's got nothing, it's got nothing on Jesus. You know, my realisation when I was prepping for this message was that the wonder, the miracle of Jesus at Christmas, sometimes for me gets, I guess, caught up and lost in the budgeting, in the decorating, in buying the perfect gifts, in all the extra events that happen around this time of year, the extra parties that are on, whether it's work or church and volunteers and school events for multiple different years and, you know, the calories. And when all of these things kind of, they're really a reminder, they should be for me a reminder of the wonder of Jesus. To simply stop and just be wowed by him again. He's wonderful. Not in the way that we use it, the word now. He's extraordinary. He's miraculous. And to celebrate Christmas as we're in this time of year from that place. So the next name that we're just going to unpack a little today is that of counsellor. So counsellor meaning to advise give counsel, consult, and, and to plan, devise plans, devise purposes. And um, Jesus is counsellor for us. Whether we choose to accept it or not is another thing, but he's counsellor for us. He's wise, he's a listener, and he advocates for us. For 16 years, I worked in a solicitor's office. People came in every day, and they paid money for wise counsel. What they hoped was going to be wise counsel. Anyway, <clears throat> some solicitors knew more about particular matters than others. So people might come in for conveyancing, so buying, selling property, um, for commercial leases, for probate. So when somebody has passed away and they've got to sort all their property and everything else out, um, They'd come in for criminal matters, they'd come in for family law matters, custody battles, divorce. It was a, it was a sort of medium-sized firm that covered an awful lot of ground. And um, I would see people, people would come in and it was always areas where they needed some counsel. Like it's, it's all stuff that they just can't get from anywhere else. And you're left with no option but to pay an awful lot of money in an hourly rate. Depending on um, what the matter was, part of the solicitor's job might be to advocate for a client in a court of law before a judge. Their job was to listen and to use their knowledge to advise a client on the best course of action. They would bring a, a case of support on someone else's behalf. And Jesus is our counsellor for all matters. All matters, we can go to him. He comes with wisdom. He listens. He comes as an advocate. He reveals the mind of God. He counsels us from God's perspective. You kind of go, yeah, you know what? I haven't really tapped into some of that so much. 
I kind of like to do things my way and I'm pretty smart. So I don't know how much I need this counsel of Jesus because, you know what, I've got something going on here and it's not so bad. And maybe you're like, you know what, I totally need that in so many areas or in one area, but I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't know how to tap into that. And I think one thing we need to know is that his counsel is faithful. It's faithful. 1 Peter. If I can turn to it. On Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, your interests, uh, they're bound up together with him. He hasn't got any other agenda except your good. That's his agenda. You're good. He's faithful, so we don't need to worry. His counsel is trustworthy. You know, Job, oh, mate, what a shocker. After all that he'd endured, in chapter 12, he says, verse 13. Actually, we'll go from 12. It's not wisdom found among the is not wisdom found among the aged. Does not long life bring understanding? And you know what? Some of those things they do help with counsel, making decisions. Then he goes on, he says, To God, to God belong wisdom and power. Counsel and understanding are his. His counsel is trustworthy because Jesus lived what he counseled. You know, he counseled us to love our enemies in Luke 6. And you know what? He died for all mankind, including those who crucified him. He said in Matthew, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body or what you'll wear. And the gospel show him living exactly that way. 1 Samuel says that God looks at the heart of people, not their outside, but their heart. And the story after story where he loved tax collectors, lepers, prostitutes, those that were outcasts from society... He rescued a woman caught in adultery, spoke life into the woman at the well. He healed a lame man on a stretcher. He ate with Zacchaeus and he walked with the crowds because he looked at the heart, not the outside. He met with them, he healed them. He ate with them and he rescued them. His counsel is compassionate. You know, Jesus was given and he experienced all that we experience as human beings. He didn't stay in heaven, but he came to earth and had the same first-hand experiences and struggles that we have. So he counsels from that place of understanding and from compassion. Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. You know, when you've been there yourself, you've got to 
a greater sense of compassion and understanding. You know, um, when Jeb was little, he was in intensive care and was intubated so that he could breathe. And only in the last couple of weeks, my brother was in the same situation with his little girl of about the same age as Jed was. And my compassion and understanding in that, I feel, was because I'd been there, it was so much greater and so much the understanding of knowing what's actually helpful at this time and what's just, you know, a bit makes life harder for them or more pressure was super helpful for me to have had. And, and Jesus has been in our shoes. He's been where we are. So he counsels from that place of compassion and understanding. His counsel is accessible. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You will not be rebuked. You will not be condescended. He's not going to roll his eyes and go, Oh, are we doing this again? Like, has she not got this yet? He's not going to have a go. He's just going to give it generously. The Passion says it like this. Passion translation. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Wow. Yeah, so good. You know, um, the very first day when Darren was in Thailand a few weeks ago, um, I had an instance where... I really needed some counsel and I, I couldn't get it because I've learned that often my first port of call for counsel is to talk to Darren. I know that that's a terrible thing. He's very wise. Um, but when he was not available to me at my beck and call, um, <laughs> that was a problem. <laughs> and the first day he was in the air when I needed to contact him. And there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. Um, literally moments before he left the country, the car that we had been trying to sell was like looking like maybe it's going to be sold. And so I was at work and I get a text from Darren and he says, you know, hey, babe, you're going to get a call from a guy. I was in a meeting, you know. You're going to get a call from a guy soon. He's going to drive up from Sydney. He wants to give us this for the car. I say we just take it and be done with it like... We really needed to sell the car. And that was the last contact I could have with him. And that was at about 10 o'clock in the morning until like 9 o'clock at night. And I was like, okay, all right. We'll see how this goes. So from there it was up to me. And I just need to confess something that... In 42 years, I have never sold a car. I drive a car. I put petrol in a car. I pay for a car. I, it turns out, didn't even know what you had to do to sell a car. Turns out it's not as complicated as in most cases as I'd thought. Darren just always sorted it out. See, there's the advantage to getting married young. I never had to learn these things. <laughs> So this guy called me and he'd texted me a few times and I ended up saying, I'm in a meeting, I can't talk to you until after one, quarter past one, he's on the phone and he wants to come up from Sydney that day. And he wanted to know that 
if he came and he liked the car, that he would, I would agree to this price and he would take it off my hands that very minute and he'd pay cash. And I was like, oh, pay cash. What does it even mean to pay cash for a car? Like, surely people don't actually bring cash. Like, they don't bring real cash for this much money. I thought he must mean that he... Maybe cash means you transfer it, like, and you both look at each other's phones and go, yep, all good. I saw that you put the right numbers in. I didn't even know that. So... I'd been on the phone, we'd agreed on a time which was late in the day because I had things to do. And uh, I thought he would come up with his girlfriend or his wife and, you know, they'd both drive together and he'd drive it back and um, it was all going to be great and, oh, gosh, Darren's going to be so impressed. He's going to be so impressed I sold a car. And I did have to have a chat to Joy Goldsworthy and passengers in the office and say, how do I sell a car? Um, what do I need to give him? Do I give him something or do I just take his money? Do I have to get online and do anything? And they're like, no, no, like, get your, it's on the back. You just fill it in. Excellent. So I took photos of all of my paperwork just in case I needed it for something because that's my legal secretary. Uh, you just copy everything just in case coming out in me. And um, so this guy turns up at, you know, about 6.30 and I was like, oh, great. I hear a few doors closed. Great, great. And I walk past the the window, the front window to the house, and I'm like, oh, that's not his wife or his girlfriend. He's got friends, man friends. Men, if you're going to buy a car from a woman by herself, you do not need three of you to do it. It's very intimidating. And I was like, right, okay, I can do this. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I can sell a car. So I went out and thought, you know, he was quite friendly on the phone and I went out and smiled and introduced myself and shook his hand, deadpan, like business-like at best. My name is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, here's the car and um, I don't know what else I can tell you apart from what I told you on the phone. And anyway, so they have a inspect all the car, check all the interior and all the rest of it, give it some time, the three of them, with me going, oh, am I supposed to stand here? Do I go back inside? Do I sit on the veranda? Do like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. And so I just, you know, hung out with my new homies. And, um, and he looked at me, stopped, and I went to hand him the key so that he could take it for a chest dive as he says, you get in the car. And I said, how about I just take a photo of your license? I was like, I'm not getting in the car with three men that I don't know and leaving three children in the house who were fairly oblivious to what was going on. And um, so you take it for a drive. So they, do, they took it for a drive. I took a photo of his license. And um, then when he came back, they, he wants to make a deal that was different to our agreement. And I'm like, oh, oh gee. And whilst he's saying, look, I have to put two new tyres on it, which was true, and I didn't tell him about that. I didn't think about the tyres because I don't think about these things. I just say, hey, Darren, I like a roadworthy car. Can you sort that out? <laughs> so he tries to talk me down about $400. And I know you're like, it's only $400. Get over yourself. Like, I didn't want to go down $400. I was like, 
we made a deal on the phone. I told you everything apart from the tyres, but I don't care about the tyres. We already lost money on this car. I was like, no, I'm just going to stand my ground, even if it's a bad idea. So I ended up saying, he gave me his big spill and I said, look, sorry, like, no, I don't want to take that. And he's like, looked a bit surprised. And he's like, look, that is the best I can do. I can't go any higher. That is all I can do. And he tried showing me, rubbish. (laughs) He tried showing me pictures of the car that he'd written off. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry about that. And eventually he he just kept reiterating his position. And so did I, which was just, no, I'm sorry. Like, thanks for coming. And he um, ended up, I ended up saying to him, look, I'm sorry. You got the wrong half of the couple tonight because he already knew that Darren was on a plane and I was there alone. Uh, I said, I'm sorry you got the wrong half of the couple. My husband really wants to sell this car, but he's not here. (laughs) And I like driving this car around. So you know what? To be honest, I don't care if it sits in my driveway for another few weeks until I get the price that I want. And he was... I could see his friends in the background and be like, oh. So he reiterated his position a few more times and I said no. And then he walked over to the car and he had a chat with his friends and he came back while they got out the cash in the front yard. Like actual piles of cash, wads of cash. And I was like, oh, dear Lord. This is not looking... I guess it should be good, but I was feeling very uncomfortable. And, um, and they said, he came back and he said, look, while these men stood with their drug money. No, I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't drug money. I'm sure it was totally legitimate. And he said, okay, I can come up to 11,250, but that is the best that I can do. And I said, okay, then, never mind. And he was, poor guy, I think back and I go, he was so frustrated and his friends really just wanted to go and get their uni assignments done, it turns out. Um, And I was holding up the whole scenario terribly. Anyway, we continued to have the same conversation over another 15 minutes and at one point I thought, you know what, Do I really need to think about this? He has come all the way from Sydney. That's what he wants me to think. I'm like hashing it all out in my head. He wants me to feel sorry for him. And then I was like, you know what? The difference isn't that great. But I said to him, I'm going to get some advice from my father-in-law. I can ring him. So I went inside and I rang Ian, who did not answer the phone. And I was like, darn it. And so then I had this amazing idea. Maybe I could ask God what to do in this situation. So I stood in the front lounge room and I was like, God, what do I do? And I felt like he said, take it. Just, it's fine, just take it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to take it. And I think that somewhere the 19-year-old bartering in Bali like came out in me and it was almost becoming like a sport. Um, so... 
I ended up calling the boys out because I had these three men in my front yard standing out there, not very discreetly with their wads of cash. And I said, hey, boys, do you think you could just, like, be present? And they're like, what are you doing, Mum? I'm like, I've got a... There's guys out the front, they want to buy the car, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I just would like them to know that there's other people at home. I guess that's... I just want you to be around. You don't have to be out there, but just even if you're in the front room, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, they come and came and bounce their balls around outside, and, you know, it was a much more comfortable situation with them standing there with all their money. And um, before I went out, I said to Jed, hey, Jed... Here's the situation. Like, what do you, what do you reckon I should do? And he just looked at me and just went, "Take it, Mum. Dad's gonna kill you if you don't sell the car." <laughs> and he's like, "And they've got to put two tyres on it." And what it really showed me, apart from the fact that I'm very stubborn when I want to be and when I want a good deal, but God uses always to confirm the counsel He may have already told you. He used the advice of a 13-year-old just to confirm what I felt he'd already said. There's way more to that story than just that, you know. There was a pocket knife involved and that's for another sermon illustration. (laughs) (laughs) But his counsel is necessary. It's necessary. Solomon said, where there's no counsel of the people fall. Sure as we leave Jesus out of the equation, we fall into trouble. Psalm 119 says in the message, I'm absorbed in pondering your wise counsel. I'm absorbed. Yes, your sayings on life are what give me delight. It's awesome. And the thing in my preparation for today that really just knocked me for six, I guess, is that his counsel has providence. So providence is this protective care of God. Timely preparation for future eventualities. And quite frankly, this rarely makes sense to us, to you and me, except in hindsight. One of the hardest things for us to do can be to leave providence in the hand of the counsellor. Joseph's life showed the providence of God in so many ways. He starts out wowing the world in his technicolour dream coat and seems to take one step forward and two steps back all the way to the end. He's the guy who's dad's favourite. He's the guy getting about in his fancy coat bought by dad when his big brothers decide that, you know what, too much, too much, we're done. Now, one bonus is that these big brothers didn't go with plan A to kill him, but they did go with plan B, which wouldn't have seemed so flash at the time either, and to sell him. They sell him to Potiphar's household in another country, but yet God stays by him the whole way so that he does things right and well and ends up in charge of everything that Potiphar owns so that's a step forward but then comes Potiphar's wife it's kind of a few steps backwards 
He ends up in jail and spends a good few years there before he gets an opportunity to decipher Pharaoh's dreams, which is kind of, you know, ends up with a bit of a 10 steps forward, I guess, um, where he ends up really with the top job in the country. He ends up selling grain to all the surrounding countries and his dodgy brothers falling at his feet. Joseph's life wasn't just about him. He was the preparation that went before a nation to be saved from a famine. See, this is providence. Another um, current life example, I was talking to somebody this week and so their story is that they'd applied for a job in their, in a, in their field and it was a done deal. They were completely trained for it, had all the experience. Everyone they worked with said... <laughs> Of course, you've got the job. Like, who else would they be giving it to? That's ridiculous. And guess what? He didn't get the job. He was angry and frustrated and incredibly disappointed in God. He was then offered two jobs. None of them that he was that keen on, but he sort of went with the better of the two and thought, well, he didn't want to live in Redfern, so he took the one in Wagga. And in the time that he was there, he learned so much to prepare him for the future. And the original job that he so desperately wanted, the one he was a shoo-in for, was made redundant within six months. That's providence. We don't always see it at the time. Charles Spurgeon, in about 1850-something, said this, Remember, there is nothing that happens in your daily life but what was first of all devised in eternity and counselled by Jesus Christ for your good and on your behalf and all things might work, that all things might work together for your lasting benefit and profit. Psalm 33 says, The counsel of the Lord stands firm forever. forever the thoughts and plans of his heart through all generations. His plans stand firm. His intentions, they're not going to be shaken. The message says God's plan for the world stands up. All his designs are made to last. Imagine what might be different if we just took everything to Jesus as our counsellor. We don't have to spend hundreds of dollars, you know, like you do in a solicitor's office. Not that I'm discounting the need for that sometimes. Just clarify. But we've got access to him day and night for any matter that comes up. Jesus wasn't just a son born, but he was a son given. His name was Wonderful. His name is Counselor. Why don't you just... Gather your thoughts, put away everything else and just centre them on Jesus this morning. We're going to sing again this morning. And as I was, you know, thinking about what is our response to this, to this knowledge, this, you know, unpacking of these names and our response to this is worship. 
our response to this is just allowing ourselves some time to reflect in this Christmas season, not get caught up with just the budgeting and just the food prep and just the timing of everything and the gifts, all of that stuff. And look at his name. His name is Wonderful Counselor. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.